0: We will refer to this portion of scripture throughout the year, but this month has really been uh, a focus on these two verses. I want to talk to you about those words, pressing on. And um, these are called mudders, M-U-D-D-E-R. And I guess they've got a couple of places and uh, races here in Ireland, and there are places all over the world where people just find themselves surrounded by muck and they, they enjoy it and I like it, I like what they're doing. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, look at your Bible, I'm going to read it, why don't you, you stay seated, why don't you read it out loud with me, I like just making sure we think about it, ponder it and know it. Philippians 3, 13 to 14 begin, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul is, is writing this letter. He's actually dictating it probably through a hole in the door. And um, he's uh, in prison. And instead of moaning, complaining, and... Um, Being in discouragement, he is dictating this letter to some very precious people in his life. There were other Christians about a thousand miles away in a city called Philippi. And he's, he's trying to encourage them. That's kind of amazing. Somebody who's going through such hardship wants to be an encouragement to someone else. And he basically says that he had learned some things about staying faithful. We will see that in a little bit you learn how to keep doing what you're supposed to do And he said, it's just do one main thing. And we look there in verse 14, it says, press toward a mark. Now, when you shoot an arrow, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to uh, practice with archery or go to an archery range and get to shoot arrows. But the only thing, if you could imagine you're the arrow, the only thing as, they, as, as the archer releases that arrow, the only thing that arrow is supposed to do is get to the mark. That's, the, the arrow is not supposed to, you know, put on a show, the arrow is not supposed to, um, uh, you know, uh, take diversions, whatever. The purpose of that arrow is to hit the mark. And um, uh, our job is to press toward something that Paul calls the mark, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Now, our mark generally is a distant crossing line, a finish line called heaven. We're headed towards heaven, and whether, you, whether you're whether you good at it or whether you're not so good at living the Christian life, you're going there. If you're saved, Jesus said, I've given you eternal life. Thank God he took care of eternity. Now, my life and the rewards for my life are my responsibility. So on my day-to-day life, I need to be looking just just beyond that finish line for a prize because I can blow it. I can miss, and I can, uh, the, the, the whole reason why I'm here is not just to finish, but to finish well and to finish with joy. So, Hebrews, Paul says in Hebrews 12, he says, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I'm not running to get to heaven. I'm running because I'm going to heaven. I have a destination that I'm going towards. And I'm always looking unto Jesus just beyond the finish. Now, I've said so far that our memories, three things, our memories can hinder us from doing the will of God. And it is easy to become so precise in your memories and so fresh in what just keeps coming up inside of your mind that you destroy where you're at and where you're going. I'm going to say this. If you've got a hard time with memories and with... with, uh, relating to people because of how they've hurt you. Let me just say this, you're not God. And you don't even remember everything that you think you remember. God doesn't trust one witness. He says you've got to have two or three witnesses to know the truth. So don't think that you can remember everything that happened to you 10 years, 5 years, even last week that somebody did to you. You don't even know what was going on. You've got to forget some things, amen? You don't forget everything, but there are things you've got to forget because those memories can enslave you. You can transfer that bitterness that you had towards your father to your children if you're not careful. So they're like a chain around you. The Bible says we need to be good forgetters. Secondly, I told you and I showed you that we need to be good reachers. It says forgetting things that are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before us. Paul said he worked just as hard Reaching forth as he did forgetting. He said we need to reach for things that God has given us instead of what the world has given us. The world may have given us a life of misery, but God's got something that is priceless and better. What lies ahead for the Christian is always more important than what lies behind. Can you believe that? Can you try and believe that? Whatever is ahead of you, whatever you've been through, whatever ahead of you is always better than what is behind. So, Philippians 3 says that we should be good reachers. These two, when they go together, when you, in one motion, turn away from the past, no matter, even if it was good. You know, a lot of people will go to hell because their life was good here. Some of the best things that ever happened in your life were the disasters that drove you to Christ. Most of us got saved out of crisis. Did you hear me? Most of us got saved when our life was low, when we needed a crutch, when we cried out for a savior from the mess that we had gotten ourselves in. So, but but you gotta, even if your life was great or is great, you're gonna have to forget that and reach forth to what God has for you. The first thing being salvation. And after that, everything gets better. And when you when you have that reaching forth, he says, become a good presser. Keep going and reach those things. I think in all of the time that I have heard preaching, and uh, all the different people that have uh, influenced my life, the ones that really helped me were the ones that said, keep going. That said, press on. Keep doing the right thing. Keep focusing on the eternal. Fear backsliding. Don't waste your life. Live it for Christ. So I'm going to give you one more message like that this morning. Why don't we go? In prayer. Father, one more time, we come before you ask you that you would give us hearing ears. Lord, that whatever is going on inside of our head, we would shut it off and we would just listen to you. Let your word speak loud and clear and help us, God, to, to be discontent with being stuck. Lord, I pray that we would repent of our apathy. We get tired of just the same old, same old, but we'd want to reach forth and we'd want to press through no matter what obstacles are in the way to arrive at the will of God, to be in the center of your will. Please help us, Lord, because there's plenty of us that are tired of just being where we're at, stuck, never changing, when I know being a Christian is supposed to be something that's alive and yielded, to your will. And that that will is amazing. Give us a a desire to do that no matter what it takes. If somebody in here has just gotten stuck in their sin and said they can never get out, let me me encourage you. Jesus can take you out. Jesus can get you out of any hole. You just got to want to be pulled out. You got to want to be saved. You got to want Christ to be everything to you. He's not a Back pocket genie. He's Lord. May somebody understand there is a life ahead. Jesus gives it more abundant than anything anybody's ever dreamed of. It. They would just ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there were two words we saw here in 313. Oh, sorry, 314. He says, I press. I press. Now, here's a great truth, all right? Before I say anything here, you ready? Great truth. He doesn't say, You press. Did you notice that? He didn't make a commandment, even though it should be. But he said, I don't care what anybody else is going to do, I press. I know what I'm going to do. Can you understand that? So Paul here is going to help us by showing us that whether we follow along, and I believe that there are too many people in this room who come in and go out the same. Can you agree with me? When If you will take what this book is saying and go, you know, I want to press too. I don't want to just leave it for a few who decide they're going to live for God. I want to know the blessing of living for God. So in these two words, I want you to remember that. He says, I press. Now, he says, this is what I do. It's what I must do. In this letter, Paul invites the Philippians, look at chapter 3, verse 17, to follow his example. Verse 17, brethren, be followers together of me, watch me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. Now he didn't, he's saying, I want you to notice who's not walking like I am and like we are. Verse 18, for many walk, and there are, quote, Christians of whom I've told you and now tell you even weeping. That they, even though they may think that they're saved, they are the enemies of the one. Oh, they're not enemies of religion. They have their religion. They're not enemies of their doctrine. They're not enemies of, of, of religious faith. No, they're enemies of the emphasis on the cross, whose end, that's why they're not saved, is destruction, whose God is only their belly, and whose glory is in their shame because they mind earthly things. Here's the truth, here's the truth. Paul said, I may look boring. I may be in prison, but I, I'm, the, I'm your example. I need you to be like me, pressing on. Because all these flash in the pan, all of these bright, uh, shining stars that, that rise up and get everybody's attention, whether movie stars or fancy even preachers or whatever, you need to say that they're not like Paul. They come and they go. Paul says, be followers together of me. You know what he said? I keep rejoicing in the Lord. Chapter 4, he says, just rejoice in the Lord. And I'll say it again. He says, rejoice in the Lord. He says, I keep enjoying the light of God's word. Paul kept growing and learning in the word. He says, I even keep winning souls. Now, how do you win souls when you're in prison? Go to chapter 4 and verse 22. You're in Philippians. Chapter 4 and verse 22 The last, almost the last verse, I get the last verse of the book of Philippians. He said, all the saints that he knew of there in Rome salute you, chiefly they that are of who? Nero was some emperor. And yet Paul said, we've been winning souls and even people as far up as into the palace have gotten saved. He, he didn't lose his focus. He just kept winning souls. Paul says I just enjoy being a Christian. So what does pressing forward mean? All right? It means to push through whatever is in your way so that you can grab something valuable. You push through to accomplish something important. It means to pursue after something through obstacles, difficulties, and hard times. I'll give you the example of, we use the word apprehend. Here's a, a garda, and he's chasing after a thief and that thief is jumping over fences and climbing along walls. What does that guarda have to do? He has to jump over the fence too. He's got to get up on that wall. And whatever obstacle is between him and that criminal that he's going to apprehend, he has to go through because it, it's important that he catches and apprehends that criminal. Now that's a poor example. But we have things that we're trying to apprehend, that we're trying to catch and grab, so we pursue it. Um, I don't know if I got my picture here. Oh yeah, anybody know what this guy is doing? Spelunking. Very good. It's a funny word. It just means he's exploring caves. And if you are claustrophobic, don't do it. <laughs> and it is actually a terrifying sport unless you've got the mind for it, because you're going down into a dark place, and if your light goes out, there are no extra lights, and you go through very narrow passages. You don't care. I've been spelunking. And you get into a place where as you get through, if you start to panic, you will die, because you will stop using only small breaths, and you'll try to take a big breath, and you'll get stuck in that crevice, and you're never coming out. And so these guys are relaxed, they are pressing through squished air um, um passageways, hard, they'll crawl on their on their belly through through a hundred feet of small holes, and they love it. Then you see guys like this, what's he doing? I mean, he's a three-year-old in a 20-year-old body, okay? He just loves going through the muck and he's pressing on. Uh, it is it is hard to get through that. And people are trying to get ahead of each other. That's what pressing forward looks like. Now the question is why? Pastor, I'm saved. I got saved last year. I got saved five years ago. Why is it so hard to keep doing right? It's a good question. It's because we're called to go against the world. See, the world doesn't mind it if you just keep going along with them. You just keep drinking. You just keep discoing, you just keep with the old friends, if if you know, I, I didn't realize how fast I would lose my friends when I started giving out a gospel track, inviting them out to church, telling them they need to get saved. I never realized how fast you could get rid of friends. Now, if I just sat there and tried to hide my new life in Christ, they would have seen me as going, this guy's different. He just won't tell us what the thing is. And I could have just gone with the flow. But when you go against the flow, It becomes hard. You're going against an anti-God culture today. Would you agree with me? So we face constant obstacles in the way. It is just hard. We're in enemy territory. This is not our home, folks. So we have obstacles. And I started to think about what are some obstacles that we face. Go to Romans chapter 7. Go back to the left, Romans chapter 7. And they're pretty universal. The first obstacle that gets in the way of a committed Christian who wants to live for God is mess-ups, failure. Do you have any mess-ups in your life? Do you have any failures in your home or in your past? You've got to decide. You're not going to let any of those things stop you from getting up every day and doing right and serving God again and again and again. Look at Romans chapter 7 and verse 19. Paul says it, and only he can say it this way, for the good that I would, I do not. What's he saying? What I want to do, the good things that I would do, I don't do. Verse 19, but the evil which I would not do, that I end up doing. Did you ever have one of those days where you had every intention to, to, to just do right and have a right attitude, be a blessing, and all you did was make messes? Yep, that happened in Paul's life. Look down in verse uh, 24. What does he call himself? Oh, blessed man that I am. Is that what he says? No. Oh, wretched man that I am. Psalm 37, go in the middle of your Bible. Go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37 and verse 23. We know that for when you live ungodly and you live wickedly, life's going to be hard. You may not ever admit it, but life is hard for the wicked. But you know it's hard for the good as well, for the person who's trying to live godly. Psalm 37 verse 23, The steps of a what kind of a man? Of a good man are ordered by the Lord. and He delighteth in his way, though he... So do good men fall? You know, when Paul said... I want you to follow my example. You know why most people would, would have found it so hard to keep going to church? How, how come they found it so hard to just be faithful, living the Christian life? Is because they keep looking for perfect examples. Guess what? They don't exist. You're not going to find a perfect church. You're not going to find a perfect pastor. You're not going to find perfect people. So people will fall. Why are you in church? Is it because of people? It's because of the pastor? Because of the scones? Why are you in church? It's because your eyes are on Jesus. Because you want to be a blessing to other people who fall. And when you fall, it's great to have some people who love you and don't judge you. And they just pick you up and say, let's keep going. And when they fall, you're not coming down on them. And you're just coming along them. And you're encouraging them. Thank God for examples. Be careful that you're constantly judging. Amen. Psalm 37 says, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down; for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You're not. If if you do mess up, you ain't going all the way down. Thankfully, so that's why we keep we we keep getting up and keep going because that's what we do as Christians. Even though we mess up and we fail. Secondly, because we mess up on our beliefs. Go to Galatians chapter five, Galatians five, and verse seven. Galatians 5 and verse 7. Apostle Paul asks the Christians in Galatia who were struggling with wrong doctrine. They had been messed with by some false teachers and cults. Galatians 5 and verse 7 says this, Ye did run well. See that analogy? Your Christian life, you were doing great. And then he says these words, Who did hinder you? that you should not obey the truth now. They got messed up. I'm going to say this. If you spend a lot of time on YouTube, you're going to get messed up. You're going to get snookered and end up messed up in your faith because the guys who put on those YouTubes are polished. They're not like me. I just wing it on them. (laughs) I've done my best to prepare, but I get up here and I'll say some things that are like, ooh, why did I say that? but they're polished in their presentations. They never have any real interaction with real people. They don't live in a real world. They seek only followers, and they don't care about the truth, and they say things to get attention instead of lifting up the Lord Jesus. That's why people are messed up about the tribulation and the rapture. That's why people think they can lose their salvation. That's why people are stuck in Calvinism. They can't decide whether the Bible is perfect or not. They're even wondering about gender identities. You know, which one am I? You watch those YouTubes, you watch the news, it'll discourage you and confuse you. They'll wonder, they'll get all confused about spiritual warfare. I've seen people get messed up watching deliverance YouTubes and God Channel TV, and they come out and they try to deliver everybody they meet. And they're just, they're just, they're messed up, man. Do you know that almost everyone I know who has stopped soul winning, who has stopped giving, who has stopped coming to church, They got messed up by following some wacko on YouTube recently. Spent so much time with the cults. Or because of some girl or guy that became more important to them than God. I watch it all the time. Who did hinder you? It's not a what usually, it's a who. You know, stay simple in in your doctrine. Thank God, what did it take for you to get saved? You found out you were a sinner. You were in trouble with God. And the only way, the only hope you had was Jesus Christ. Is that enough? Just call on Him and He'll save you. You may you may never, ever make it very intellectually, theologically, but you know Christ. Amen. Keep it practical, folks. Simplicity is in Christ. Shouldn't we stay faithful? I'm 25 years here, faithful behind this pulpit. Is that a bad thing? Hey, Amen. Think about it. You say, well, I'm in the same church forever. Is that a bad thing? You're married to the same woman forever. <laughs> you know, you know, it's getting a little old. Yeah. Stay the course because that's what we do, even though we have messed up ideas. How about uh, heavy burdens? They ever pull you off course? Do you ever have a problem in your home and you just don't want to read your Bible, don't want to go to church, don't want to see anybody? That, something's hindering Facing sorrows, they crush, depression affects us. Some of you, boy, I tell you what, I wish you would not miss our men's meetings on Saturday mornings when we have our prayer meeting. This past, uh, yesterday morning, we talked about depression. We talked about how does a Christian deal with it because we all deal with it. Men, we got to talk about these things. You want to watch Ope for Winfrey or you want to watch all that? You're wasting your time. There is something wonderful about men getting together and talking about things. How do we deal with sorrows and stuff? Because it's normal to feel those things. You just have to have a passion, a hunger that just keeps going, keeps trusting God, even though the weight can get heavier and heavier as you go. You say, I'm going through a valley and it's been years and I don't seem to come out. I know. There's no magic wand. We keep going because it's what we do as Christians. Another thing what about the devil? You think he wants you to succeed? You think he wants you to enjoy church today? You think he wants you to enjoy reading your Bible and learn something from the word of God? Does do you think he wants you to find God's will? Of course he doesn't. First Thessalonians 2:18. Don't go there. It says wherefore we would have come unto you in Thessalonica. Even I Paul once and again, but Satan hindered us. You ever felt like the devil just Wow, putting up a wall there between you and what you should be doing. He's described as the devourer. Satan is called the constant accuser of the brethren, constantly going after and niggling and finding fault with everything in your life. Believe me, when he sets his eyes on you, you better be close to the Lord Jesus because he will tear you to shreds. He is a devourer. But we press on anyway, even though the devil comes at us. Why? Because it's what we do. I press on. How about afflictions? Pain is a hard thing to ignore. I don't have back pain. All right. I I slept wrong last night, so I got a bit of neck pain there. Don't pity me. Pity people who live with pain. You know how hard it is for them to get out of bed, get dressed, and get to church? Don't you tell me it's hard on you. You know how hard it is for some people just to get up and put on a smile when the chronic pain is racking their body? I have no idea. I just know Christians, we just press forward. We just keep going. That's what we do. How about distractions? Do you know the devil, if he can't stop you, he'll distract you. He gets your focus off the finish line and even try to get you out of the race, he'll offer you some quick money. By uh, staying and, and doing extra hours at work, so that you never get to, never get to church. All of a sudden, teenager, if you ever decide I'm going to live for God, I'm going to be a witness at, at, at church. Uh, sorry, at, at school, I'm going to read my. I'm going to carry my Bible to school. I'm going to read it during lunch. I'm going to when everybody else is going and they're, they're, they're uh, drinking or whatever. I'm going to go find something else to do. Guess what? Some girl's going to go. Oh, you're cute. And you're going to go. Oh. And all of a sudden, all those plans are out the window. Distractions. And you know, politics will do that too. I tell you what, man, this this age that we're getting in, we need some godly people in politics. But I'm telling you, the world is trying to get all Christians all riled up about politics so we don't do the will of God. Now, why press on? Why? What's at stake? If I don't press on, I don't know about you, but if I don't press on, if I quit, if I stop doing the will of God for my life, there are three things that happen. Number one, go to John 10. Gospel of John, chapter 10. There are three things that happen. The devil wins. John 10, 10. Speaking of Satan, Jesus says this, John 10.10, The thief cometh not but for to steal, rob you, and to kill and destroy. Just stop there and think about that for a minute. If I stop doing what God asked me to do, whether on a daily basis or for my life, the devil's back in there devouring and he wins. How many like, how many like the fact that for all of most of your life, the devil won? And now, for the first time in your life, you're doing things that are blocking him, that are frustrating him, that are limiting him, and it just feels good. But if you stop, if you decide, I'm offended, I'm just quitting church, I'm upset at pastor, I'm not, I'm I'm not reading my Bible anymore, I'm just going back to the world, the devil says, good, now I can get back into your home. Now I can step, start messing with their, your friends again. Now that light that you used to bring into the job, that, that gospel light that you used to have in your home, that hope for your wife to get saved or for your here kids to know how to live is now out. And the prince of darkness moves in. Do you want that? If you quit, he wins. And if you quit, if I quit, I will fail. That's when a Christian fails. You say, Pastor, I failed. Boy, I blew it. I, 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 man, I said a curse word and I, I, I blew my testimony at work or whatever. All right. Okay. Yeah. But you didn't fail. You didn't fail. When you quit living for God and quit trying to find and do God's will, that's when you fail as a Christian. That is a failure as a Christian. There are no failures in Christianity when we just keep pressing on. You see, I only got six inches today ahead. That's enough. If you know anything about warfare? When, when, when army against army is fighting, sometimes you don't get any advance, but you hold your place, amen? World War I was notorious for the fact that they threw two armies together and they didn't move for months. That's all they could hope for. But they weren't going to back down. They weren't going to back off. They were going to hold their ground. They're going to stay. And if they got six inches, woo, amen. <laughs> because if we just leave the trench and we go home, the enemy takes over. And we are the failure. And the lost will never hear the gospel. Romans 10, 14 says, How shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they ever hear without you, a preacher? Don't think of, oh, pastor, you're a preacher. No, no, no. I'm preaching, but I'm a pastor. You're a preacher. If you open your mouth and you give the gospel, you are a preacher of the gospel. How are they, outside of these four walls, going to hear the gospel if you don't preach it? If you quit, they will die and go to hell without any hope or help, and you could have been their help. The woman who gave me the gospel, I said this last week, I'm glad she didn't quit the day before. She met me and my two friends and gave us a track and provoked us to come to church. I'm glad she didn't quit, because I'd probably be dead three times over by now. Think about it. But if I don't quit, think about it. What's at stake? If I just keep going, if I keep faithful, if I keep plodding along, then Satan will be bruised under my feet one day. Read your Bible. Let's go to Romans chapter 16. I bet you never noticed this. Romans chapter 16. I know Jesus Christ is going to win over the devil one day. I'm looking forward to that day. But I'm going to tell you, there is something about your Bible that just blows you away and says you get to help with that. Romans chapter 16 and verse 20, if I just stay faithful, the Bible says this, Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan where? Now I'm not going to give you the example, let's say Patrick's up here, and I put Patrick up here, and uh, I have uh, uh, Gavin, Gavin's going to be God, and Patrick's. The devil, alright? You don't have to do that, don't know, because you might get hurt. And Gavin, using his, what do you do? You do karate, jiu-jitsu, what do you do? Judo, okay. So he uses his judo, and he takes him down. You know what I get to do? I get to put my foot on his neck, as if I did it. But I get to be there when the devil is defeated. Amen? And I, if I stay faithful, I get to watch him hurt. And it'll be under, uh, my feet will be on his neck. His foot has been on my neck for too long. I can't wait to put mine on his. Amen? Say bruise under my feet. Secondly, <laughs> I'll not forfeit the success that I am. I don't, wanna, don't want you to misunderstand this. This is not the modern age of where we're all good. We're all, no, no, no. The moment I got saved, the Bible says I was complete. Can you agree with me? I was, I was everything that Jesus wanted was me. And anything that's good in me is because of him and, and that pleases him. I don't have to do anything to please him. Amen. And as far as God's concerned, when he looks at me, he sees a beloved son. Now, yeah, he may have to chasten me. He may have to correct me. But I'm not having to reach up to some level of approval. I am, as far as God's concerned, I am a success. I am a child of God. I am part, I'm accepted in the family of God. It's called even the beloved of God. But if I quit, remember I said I was a failure, but if I don't quit, I'm not, I won't lose that success that I have already achieved in Christ. As far as God's concerned, he looks and he says, Amen. God's not constantly, I mean, if, if I looked at your life, I go, Good night, man. Are you still breathing? (laughs) Uh, I I may find all kinds of fault, but when God looks at you, he says, Come on. I see the end. I know what you're going to be. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fail to finish my work that I started in you as long as you don't quit. And the third thing, if you don't quit, sinners will hear the gospel. And we'll respond. We've got to get back to believing that soul winning and preaching, church planning, hymn singing, praying, and fasting still works. If we don't quit. What if I didn't show up next week? You look at each other going, what are we going to do? Now, let me ask you, what if you don't show up next week? Oh, no big deal. No, it is a big deal. Because we is the church. And what if we stopped meeting here and we just all disbanded? Think about that. We have an influence. We're not the only influence, but we have an influence on Ballant, and Cork. Our Patrick's Day parade is going to be the best. This year is such a dream come true. We're going to have the gospel so clear. What if we weren't in it? What if only the queers were allowed to march through melancholy, you want that. Don't quit. If I don't quit, people will get saved. So I have to press on. Paul says, I have to, and so do you. So how do we press on? Seven things you need to think about and resolve about pressing on that'll change your whole view of your life. You say, Well, I've got problems. Of course you got problems, but you press on. Well, there's so many things holding me back. I know you. them and reach forth to whatever God has for you. You may have to walk away from a a, a good job because they work you on Sunday. You may have to walk away from a girlfriend who seems perfect in every way, but she's not saved. You may have to walk away from some things that are going to hold you back from the will of God, but it's worth it. Let me tell you seven things. Number one, find out why God saved you. You know, he has a reason why he saved you. There's a purpose for it. Find out why he saved you. Look at Ephesians. You're in Romans. Go to the right. Find Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17. <clears throat> Don't think that, okay, now I'm saved. That's it. No, that's not it. That means you moved out from the, from the as a spectator in the stands. You're now on the field. And everybody in the field has a place that they, that they play. They have a purpose in the team. And it sounds like I'm really loud. Did you turn that up there? I'm turning it down a little bit. Um, Ephesians 5.17 says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise. The modern word would be stupid. Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Do you know what God's will is for your life? I'll ask some questions. Are you supposed to be single? Are you supposed to get married? Are you supposed to be a chemist or a programmer? Are you supposed to preach this book, be a pastor or a missionary? Are you supposed to go to college or just get right in to start work? Are you supposed to be a dad or a stay-at-home mom? Are you supposed to be a success? Or are you supposed to suffer for the rest of your life for the cause of Christ? Find out God's will. May God save us from our apathy and our Christianity, from our same old, same old, and get us in the race and say, I've got to get into this race and pour my life into it. Find out why God saved me. Secondly, focus on doing that. Getting on target. Back there in Philippians, we'll go to the right, go to Philippians again, look at 3.14. Philippians 3.14. Paul says, "I press toward the mark. The mark, you're looking for a center mark on a like a like a um, uh, a target that you're shooting at with an archery. But it's a little more than that. It's focused on doing that purpose. I'm trying to going to try to make this simple. Okay, here's a great thought. The end mark for us is the finish line. Amen. Heaven." That's what we're supposed to keep our focus on, is I'm going home one of these days. This this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And, And no matter what I go through here, I've got a better home. It's a mansion. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be with people that love Him. I want to be with people who love Jesus. Go to Hebrews, and I'll show you this focus. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. Speaking of Abraham, we're not looking at the things of this world, even how pretty they are. We're looking for a city built by God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, that was the promised land, he obeyed and he went out, not knowing whither he went. He just knew that he was to reach for it. And by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. Dwelling in tabernacles, we'd say tents, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of that same promise. For he looked, not for land, but he looked for a city. Whose builder and maker is God. He, even in the promised land, he looked for something better. And you got to get used to doing that. I, d- I got to thinking about a race, and when you're running, did you know most races, unless it's a short hundred meter race or something, most races you never see the finish line. You just know you're, you're in that lane and you're running along and you know as you come around the bend at some point you're gonna see, way out in the distance, you're gonna see that finish line, okay? So hold there for a second, don't look at my next point. But you don't see that finish line. But you can check the mark, the, 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 the chalk mark that's on the the, the race course and find out are you still in your lane? Have you been distracted? Have you gotten out of lane that would disqualify you? And and so I'm checking my marks as I'm running the race. Swimmers have to do it all the time as well. they actually on the bottom of the Olympic pools. Have you noticed there are lines on the bottom of the pool. You know why they do that? Because as that swimmer is swimming, he's checking, am I in lane? So there's a constant checking. Am I on mark? Am I on target? I'm not just... Aiming and just a stab in the dark. Paul sought to be on track all the way to the end. So when troubles would come and obstacles were all around him, he decided, I just got to stay the course. A ship in the sea comes into a storm. You can't see land. You don't know. There's no, there's no landmarks. You follow that compass, and you follow that map, and you stay the course. Unless it's stormed a hurricane, I don't know. Tony, I'll tell you what to do in a hurricane. But stay the course. Let me show you something. Uh, well, let me get, I, I don't take it to the scripture. I'll just give you some examples. Paul went into a city named Lystra, next to a little town called Iconium. He went there and he preached. You know what they did to him? They picked him up. They threw him outside of the city. and well, not, Well, they picked him up, and they stoned him. And then they took his lifeless body and they threw him outside of the city and walked away. And he was left for dead. And you know what he did when he woke up? He went right back into the city. <laughs> you know why? Because he knew that was where he should be. He was doing what he should be doing. And he's going to stay at it. When he, was ship- when he was in a ship sinking in the Mediterranean Sea, Paul sang and praised God in that ship as it was sinking, because he knew he was right where he should be. I have not gotten that close yet. There are times where I'm like wondering, I'm gonna die. This is the end. You ever been like that? But Paul, is a ship and he says, I know God put me right here. I know everything's gonna be fine, because I'm right in the middle of God's will, and I know God wants me to go and preach to Nero. <laughs> and he had no problem. He was right where he should be, doing what he was supposed to be doing. You know what he did when he was in prison? He and Silas were there, thrown in the darkest, the deepest prison there in Philippi, and they put him in stocks, which means that their feet were locked fast into wooden stocks. They were sitting on their bums in the darkest, dankest, most vile, filthy prison you can imagine. And what does Paul say? Let's sing. How could he determine to sing and praise God in that kind of situation? Because he knew. I guess this is where God wants us. I guess this is the will of God right now. You know, being in the will of God makes things easy for us. If Paul had been married, he would have been seeking to actively serve and bless his wife because that is the will of God for a married man. Amen? Ladies, if you're a wife, the will of God for you is not some big career, it's not for you to have a lot of money. It is for you to actively seek to be a help and a comfort and encouragement to your husband, because that is being in the middle of God's will as a married woman. Amen. If you're a parent, you need to actively seek to do God's will toward those kids of yours. Find out what God wants to you to do to raise them and then do it. Wherever you are, find what you're supposed to be doing, find your target and then strive to accomplish it. Because I'll tell you this, having the knowledge, having this knowledge, will help you overcome every obstacle the devil puts in your way. You may say, well, I'm way off course, Pastor. I used to come to church. I used to be good at reading my Bible. And I haven't read my Bible in years. So what? Did you know the will of God is big enough to take you from where you're at and still get you home? See, you can't get so far away from God that God can't get you home. Amen. That stupid son um, uh, of, the, of the what we call the prodigal son of that faithful, godly father, that son who was the biggest fool of ever, taken half the inheritance, he took the, the the half the value of the farm, put it in his pockets, and blew it. It says he was away in a far country. He was a million miles away. But you know what? He was able to get home and so can you. Where you're at is not near as important as what direction you're going. You may just have to go a little further. Then I say third thing to press on, you need to look past the enemy's attacks and the obstacles. I wish it was easy. Anybody gets in the military, you know what they teach you? They teach you to stay focused on the task, to ignore fears, setbacks, and feelings, and distractions. They actually have you running through obstacle courses so that your focus is, no matter if somebody comes against you and tries to throw you down, you push them back so that you keep going and you get to your objective. What about doctors and nurses? I couldn't be a doctor. Couldn't be a nurse. I mean, those people coming in there, they're in pieces, man. I want to throw up. I mean, I'm I'm just, it's just... The the seeing that, seeing people coming in there out of a car wreck or a drug overdose or they've been in a, a fight and glass all through their bodies and everything. I just want to run. But those doctors, they got to switch on something where they say, this I've got to save this life. And that person screaming on that table saying, you're not getting near me, get out of here, I want to go home. They just say, restrain them, let's do this. So many cc's of this. And they've got a job to do, don't they? And they stay at it. They see, they say, we got to save this person. When runners start a marathon race, they don't care about the distance. They don't care about the other runners. They don't worry about the hills and the valleys they're going to face. They look past it all and they focus on that finish line. And they say, I don't care how much pain I get, I'm going to cross that line. That's the Christian life. Stay low. In American football, now I don't know if you ever watched American football, it's kind of cute because you're watching... People, shaped like refrigerators, just running into each other. But the rule of American football, let's see, I need somebody, I'll get, uh, come up here, Gavin, I'll use you for a second. <clears throat> you may not look like a football player, but let's pretend like you're a football player. See, I might, I might actually win this, okay? You ever see these guys? And now I need you to get down to the ground like this, okay? All right, now there's a quarterback over here. I don't know what a quarter has to do with this guy. Maybe he's only got a quarterback bone, I don't know. But there's a quarterback who has the ball. And as soon as he gets that ball, these two opposing teams go at each other. So let's carefully go at each other. Have you ever seen American football? Of course you have, ready? Hike, and we go at each other and boom. My job is to keep him occupied so he can't get at the quarterback, you understand? But the rule is, now go down again, we can get to where we're just, but. In, in, in American football, what they teach you is, no matter how low your opponent is, you go lower and you come under him and you come out <laughs> and you get, you, you, you get what you need to get done, especially if it's his, thank you, uh, especially when it's his quarterback you're trying to go for. Go low. I don't mean go low into sin, but that means go humble. Everybody else is getting all the praise. Everybody else is getting all the attention. Let them have it. If you're gonna press on, you do not need the glory. You don't need any attention. Be nice, nice to have some encouragement, but very few people pay attention to anything other than their own lies. So your job is, I'm just gonna go low. And when the devil goes low, I'm gonna go lower. And I'll get, listen, if the devil tries to stop me, I'll go right through his legs. (laughs) Because I'm gonna stay low. Because that's how you press on. Follow your coach's instructions. He, uh, Romans chapter eight. There's lots of scriptures. I'm just trying to finish these thoughts in time. Romans chapter eight and verse 14. Follow your, who's our coach? Now we say Jesus, but let me tell you, it's the Holy Spirit, folks. Too many of you have no idea how to hear His voice. You don't know how to let Him lead you. You, you, you have a conscience, but we burned it out. Some of us burned it out years ago. So when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us in that still, small voice, we don't hear it. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. The Bible says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Think about that. What a crazy, most people have no conscience. They don't think they're doing anything wrong. God gave every Christian his Holy Spirit to lead them. You ever, you ever, um, you ever thought about this? A, there's a, there's a, usually a guy, now there are lots of females doing it, but they're called directors on a movie set. You know what that director is on that movie set? God. That person's sitting there, and let's call him a he for a moment, and he commands, cut! No, no, do it again. Start over. This time, more passion. Up! Wind up the music, drop the, 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 the curtain. He's commanding, isn't he? He's in charge. And everybody's supposed to yield and do what he says. Amen? Our director is not a yeller. Our director doesn't grab us and throw us off the set, thankfully. Amen? Our yeller, our, yeller, our leader, our director is over quietly going, Craig, don't say that, Craig. Craig, don't go there. Hey, Craig, come this way. I'm too busy. Too too much stuff going around me to hear that still, small voice. You want to press on? Your coach is on the side going, keep going, Craig. It's going to be okay. Just about in the next bend, it'll get easier. Listen to him. Spend time in prayer and just say, Lord, I need you to speak to me. I'm kind of out of energy. I'm kind of out of desire to keep going. Please encourage me. He'll give you instructions. Cast down anything inside your head that the devil can grab a hold of. Go to 2 Corinthians, back, uh, go to the right, Second Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. You know, the devil gets a hold of things inside of our head and and man, he'll take an imagination of yours and make it like it's real. He'll take an old painful memory and bring it all back like it's fresh. He'll bring back an old desire and make it overwhelming to you. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, I'm in 1 Corinthians, all right? 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, casting down imaginations, throw them down and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Where? In our imaginations, in our head. Everything that tries to get bigger than God in our head, bring that into captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. What strong words. So anything that's inside of your head telling you you're a failure. Any kind of thing that's inside of your head that's constantly tell you, well, I don't, um, uh, well, I believe this guy on YouTube more than I believe what pastor is saying. No, 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 all this stuff. Let me tell you this. Cast it down. Because God intends for you to be a finisher. That's what he intends. So stuff comes into your head and discourages you, pulls you back. Say, I'm not listening to that. I'm not listening to it. Last point. Don't forget that there's a prize to win. Matthew 13 Jesus told two parables of how much it cost him to gain us Matthew 14 uh, 13 Matthew 13:44 13, Matthew 13:44 Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure that uh, hid in a field. The which, when a man hath found, when he found the treasure, he hides it again, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and he buys what? He buys the whole field so that he can have the treasure. That's all. Listen, if I found treasure, I'm just gonna walk off with it. That's the normal thought. But no, that would have been stealing. It only, the treasure belonged to the person who owned the field. So what did Jesus? He paid for the sin of the whole world just to get you. What a thought. Don't you realize we're his prize? We're his joy? We're the reason why he came? He we weren't trying to show off on the cross. He loved us and he wanted us. And if you value Jesus' love of you, you will love what he has for you. Show you another one. Uh, chapter 13, look at verse 45. Same, same next verse. It says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. A goodly pearl is a just a good-looking pearl, normal pearl. But who, when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and he sold all those pearls that he had and he bought that one. At what why would he spend every penny to get that one pearl? Because of the prize of that pearl. Just having that pearl. First Corinthians nine says, "Run, so run that ye may obtain the prize." What prize has your eye? At a fun fair, now I don't. There are not too many of them here where I've seen it, but when I was growing up at the fun fair, there was what's called a shooting gallery, and what you had was along the wall there were all of these stuffed animals or toys and you plop down your, 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 your dollar bill or euro or whatever, and you, you, you got a, uh, a gun, and had a little pop uh, plastic thing there, and you sat up there, and these ducks would go across. You know what I'm talking about? And you're waiting for it, and pew. And what are you trying to do? What are, you, what, are you, what are you trying to aim and get that duck or that target there so you can get that prize? You, you're, you're, you're doing whatever you have to to get that prize. What prize is your eye? You know what what prize Paul had? Go back to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. What did Paul want so badly that he was willing to go to jail? That he was willing to be stoned and whipped and beaten and shipwrecked? What prize had Paul's eye? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. Philippians 3.8, yea doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Everything he had, he counted it as loss. Philippians uh, 3.8. For the excellency of just knowing Christ, the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Is that crazy? Look at verse 10. That I may know Him. Now, Paul's been saved at least... 20 years at this point, and he still says, I just want to know him more. I want to know him better. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable one day unto his death. Paul said he wanted to win Christ. So he strove so hard to push himself. If you met Paul, you'd say, Paul, you gotta, you gotta slow down. Paul, you gotta relax. Paul, let's, let's go have a cup of tea. But Paul was determined to keep going and keep not because of any other reason than I just want to please him. I want to please Jesus. Many of you will stay stuck where you're at because for you it will be hard to, to let go of the past and you will put any effort into reaching things that are forward ahead of you simply because you don't realize the value of the prize that God has for you. Finishing this thought there back in Philippians 3, verse 14, he talks about something called the high calling of God. We'll end with this. Because the will of God is very awesome. It's a high calling. The world sees us as wasting our time doing what we're doing here this morning. Wasting our money, wasting our lives. When I told my dad that I was going to be a gospel preacher, You should have seen my dad's face drop. And every time I would go home for summer or Christmas, he'd say, you still at that school? didn't think my Bible college was really a college. He says, you still at that school? Still going to be a missionary? Yeah, dad, I am. You know what impressed my dad? And I wasn't trying to impress him. But there were some things that were very important to my dad, and that is no matter what I start, I finish. The fact that I didn't go, well, no, that was just a phase for me, Dad. I'm now, I'm going to be a lawyer. Or I'm going to be... No, 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 no. If there's something you can do, let me tell you, it's stay faithful. Paul said this, the world looks at us, and I'll just quote this. 1 Corinthians 4 says, We are as made as the filth of this world and as the offscoring of all things. You know what the offscoring is? It's after dinner, all the plates are taken over to the rubbish, and what do you do with all the scrapes? All the scraps. You scrape them into the rubbish. And nobody's going to eat them. And and, and Paul says, the world looks at us like, scrape it off, get away. That's how they see what we do. Yet Paul says, this is what we do, is the high calling of God. Jesus calls every one of us to do something out of the ordinary. Ordinary people go to church. At least they used to, amen? This is not the will of God. The will of God is something extraordinary. What do you do at church? Does that make sense? Did anybody just get that? Well, I go in and I come out. That's not the will of God. The will of God is to come in and serve. The will of God is to come in and preach. The will of God is to come in and play the music. The will of God is to come in and, and, and bring scones and serve people. The will of God is to come in and sing and to, to, to do something that blesses people. Jesus calls us to do something out of the ordinary. By the way, he pushes us where we do not want to go. This is the call of God. This is not the call of some career. You know what it is? The will of God, no matter what it is, is a high and a holy calling. Find out what God wants you to do, because it will be amazing. It will be amazing. Whatever it is, you say, well, I'm I'm just called to be a stay-at-home mom. High calling. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, right now, I seem to be called to be single. Nobody wants me. High calling. Well, God wants me to, right now, I work for the company, and I don't have the ability to change jobs. Wherever you're at and you shine there, that is a high calling. Do you understand? Do not sit there and go, I wish I was this. I wish I was married to her. I wish I was then." <clears throat> Why do anything less? I believe that if, if you, if somebody in this room is a mechanic and God, God made you a Christian mechanic and you are a God-honoring, a Christ-testifying, gospel-preaching mechanic and somebody said, would you mind being Taoiseach? You'd say, I ain't stepping down. Did you get that? Amen. Why do anything less? Here's the conclusion Why was Paul so successful? I think it's because of three things. He was a good forgetter, he forgot about all the hurts that other people had done. He never forgot about how he hurt people, he forgot about all the hurts that people had done towards him. He was a good reacher. He walked, the guess is he walked somewhere around 20 to 25,000 miles in his 20 years of preaching. He traveled tens of thousands of miles by ship going from place to place. He was reaching the lost in the will of God. He was also a powerful presser. When it got hard, he pressed harder. What have you struggled against lately? Depression, defeat, failure. Confusion? What are you fought against? Good. Keep pushing ahead. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing ahead. Find out why God saved you. Focus on doing that for the rest of your life. Look past all the enemy's attacks. And uh, stay low and humble. Follow your coach's instructions. The Holy Spirit will lead you day by day if you'll learn to listen to him. Cast down anything inside your head that's trying to stop you. And don't forget the prize. that's going to be won. Why? Because whatever God asks you to do is going to be amazing. I, I wouldn't trade being a preacher in Ireland for anything. It'll also be worth it all in the end. We sing that hymn. It will be worth it all. What's the it? All our struggles. All our war and fighting and battles and the spiritual things. When we see Jesus. But the best will be Jesus praising the likes of us and saying, Well done, Juliet, good and faithful. So, can you imagine Jesus actually doing that? I mean, I can imagine other people. I can think so and so, and I go, Oh God, Jesus will stand up and he will honor him and he'll honor her. But you go, But to think about if I just stay faithful, see, I don't have to be a success but I do need to say faithful. He will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But here's a statement. That's only going to happen if you're going to heaven. Did you know all the promises of God are fulfilled, not in your church, not in your career, not in your home, but only in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I press toward the prize, toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. That's in Christ Jesus. Have you trusted him? 39 years ago, Best decision ever made, to trust Him. I was—I didn't vow to do, to do better. I didn't try and <clears throat> do my prayers. I just cried out for Jesus Christ to save a wretch like me. See, is that all there is? Yeah, that's all it takes. You just got to mean it. You got to talk to Him like He's God and you're nothing. You got to want with all your heart to be saved, to be changed, to be born again, start all over, and let Him... Be in charge of your life now.